Hello, and welcome to Sense of Responsibility. I'm Alec Lindenauer, a certified financial planning professional, husband, and chief allowance officer to two daughters. I'm also the creator of the Sense of Responsibility tools and how-to instruction parents need to raise their children into financially literate, money-savvy adults, even if they don't know much about finance themselves. I'm Julie Franz, a chef entrepreneur at heart, wife and mother of two middle school children. I also curate the Sense of Responsibility community so parents have a forum to ask questions, share success stories, and discuss their journeys. As a financial newbie myself, I'm also cultivating our group support system to help carve out my own family's path toward financial literacy. Julie, this is the first of many, we hope that's the plan. So you and I started our relationship. We became neighbors and friends when your kids were in kindergarten and second grade and mine were in first and third. So let's start there. Let's start talking about money and the family dynamic that goes along with it. So there I was living across the street. I had actually started, it wasn't called sense of responsibility, but I had started on this allowance methodology with my kids, I think the year before that. So you didn't begin then, you kind of, you saw what was going on. So you didn't start until your kids were in fifth and seventh grade. So the first question that I have is, why didn't you begin when your kids were really early? What was stopping you from bringing financial responsibility into your household in a way that you wanted to teach your kids? So many layers to that uh, answer, actually. First of all, I did buy the four slotted piggy bank that you had recommended back then. I tried it. And I, I think at that time I had it in my head that I had to do weekly. I had to use the coins and I just, I couldn't get it together. I couldn't follow it. So I just gave up. And so rather than trying to like create something that would work for me and for my family, I, you know, saw that piggy bank as like the, like that was the thing. It wasn't about the method. So I couldn't go to the bank all the time. I could never keep up with the coins. Like you, I was getting my bloody knuckles from trying to reach in there. And we didn't have a roadmap, right? We didn't have like the steps to make it work. It was just like, here's allowance, divide it up, throw it in the piggy bank and we're done. Right. And then we gave up. So now, you know, since I joined you on sense of responsibility and, and really like took the time to watch the course and see like the step by step of how to really start very deliberately. And also just to know even how to talk about it ahead of time with my kids to like set them up correctly so that it wasn't just like a, a free for all throwing money at you and putting it in a bank. You know, I followed the steps. It worked out a lot better when, you know, we tried it this time when they were fifth and seventh grade. But I really do wish that we had started earlier. You know, I, I'm kind of like relating it to potty training, right? It's like the earlier you start, kind of the easier it is to get right. to get the momentum. I really wish that I had started when we had originally talked about it and they were a little bit more impressionable. They're teenagers now, so they're like a little bit more feisty. Right. Getting them to do anything at this point is, is a challenge. Yeah. But one of the things that we've talked about in the past is how is your, your upbringing around money and your discomfort on a certain level. And where do you think that played into it? Kind of your upbringing about money. I was raised in a family, a split family, right? My mom and dad were divorced when I was two. So already like from a very young age, I saw money as like a struggle. I saw it something as something that my parents fought over. And I was kind of this, like in the middle, my existence, like kind of was intertwined with money, but yeah, I didn't really have a say on 
how money was spent or divided or anything. So it, it was kind of wrapped up in a lot of emotion and complexity. And then my mom and stepdad had a business and they would talk business at dinner. And, you know, I, I like always heard talk of business, but I wasn't involved in the conversations about money. So it kind of became more of like a taboo thing. And I just, it, it was that the money was always a struggle. It was a challenge. We had to like work hard to get money, but it was stressful and it caused fights and there was never enough. So I think for my whole life, it was just something that I wasn't involved in. I wasn't educated about. I wasn't part of the conversation. And I saw it as just like constant struggle. And, you know, I think that just like played into the way I saw money in my marriage. And my and when I had kids, we were always just struggling. We couldn't quite get there. And we just never really talked about it. We just like didn't budget well. I think I just like carried a lot of that childhood money energy with me. So I have to imagine that that kind of played into all of it too, in terms of the delay, right? Not just the bloody knuckles, but right. carrying that baggage, if you will. Totally. You know, I think when you and I started talking more about sense of responsibility in a way that, you know, motivated me to get started, I really put more focus and energy into like talking about money and thinking about money and shifting all of our perspectives about money. And it's really helped our whole family. I mean, the way that Robbie and I are able to talk about money as a married couple and the way that we're able to talk to our kids about money and the way that we've shifted conversations from before no or yes. You either say no to that expense or you say yes to that expense. Now it's like, a, let, let's talk about this. Like, why do you want that? And is it worth it? And how can we work towards it? And do you think that this is worth it to you? I mean, it's it becomes this whole conversation, which we just never, we never had as a family or as a married couple before. Yeah. So it's totally shifted our dynamic. Thank you, Alec. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, what do you, has that been the su most surprising thing as you embarked on this is the impact on the larger family as opposed to just on your kids? Or is there some other thing that you would say is the biggest surprise? You know, we went into it thinking that it was going to be just an allowance program. And then in just thinking about money in new ways, you know, we ended up putting more money, more focus on money and saving and investing and donating and really like shaping that as a family dynamic also really helped us move forward, you know, in our own finances in a way that we would have never been able to before. So I think that's the most surprising thing for me is like how much more financially stable we feel as a family, not just, it's not just about the allowance for our kids. Along those lines, let's, let's tell everybody, where are you in the process? Because it's not like you've been doing this for five years. This is not a long transition no. that you've had. And what we put out there for the course is that after one true different core day, sense of responsibility, real money Sunday, your kids will have a different relationship with money. And then after three of them, you will really have that as routine and really it's life-changing after that. So where yeah. are you in that process? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I think you and I started talking about this. Always, always honest. <laughs> in August. Um, and I think in September, this is where I was going to kind of throw myself under the bus, being honest. I started without watching the videos. I just, I figured I knew, like, we talked about it enough over the years. And I'd watched, you know, you and your kids. And, and I just was like, I'll just do it. And I didn't set myself up for success and it was kind of a disaster. My kids are 11 and 13. And so their ideas of money are pretty much what they are. And 
And I, I just, I didn't set us up right. Did we start in September? Yes. There was money. There was discussion. We started thinking in different ways. Yeah. But then I really was like, okay, I'm going to do this right. So I watched all the videos before I did the next one. So I would say October, November, I would say November was really like the first successful core day. And yeah, I mean, within a month, even at that time, I mean, my, my thinking had already shifted and I think we're, where the community aspect really came in to play between you and I talking about this was like the more questions I asked and the more conversations that we had about money, I was able to like see, I was really able to see how every day there was an opportunity to have a conversation, to educate, to research things together, to weigh out as a family. It really made sense to create more of like a community aspect so that people could as I did, ask a lot of questions and like reflect a lot on this shift of consciousness around money. Yeah. I mean, look, before COVID, when I was doing these workshops, essentially in person, I mean, that interaction between the parents was so important. So that communal aspect now online carries the, the same amount of weight. It's just, it's just so important to the process. Mm -hmm. Along those lines, I mean, obviously our conversations about um, you and your kids and what's going on there, that's one thing. But what about your conversations with your friends and people that you know, and, and the community, the sense of responsibility community, how have those conversations changed? I feel like, like my thinking has really shifted towards your methodology. And when I, when I catch on to other parents talking about money and the way that they, you know, deal with money within their families, I see still that there are, there's still like a push pull. There's like a, I'm going to give you this money and tell you that it's your spend, but I'm also going to tell you how to spend it. You know? And I'm like, remember, you know, if you follow Alex roadmap, we've got to let the kids spend their money the way they want to spend it. And that's part of the process. And you can like give ideas or suggestions or help, but it's really, you know, you got to let them, got to make, let them make their decisions and that's how they're going to learn. I like to kind of like point back to your methodology and kind of relate it to my own story and how I've seen my kids grow through it. And then I kind of watch my friends in the community shift their way of doing things and watch it, um, how that transpires. It's been really fun to, to walk with people in their journeys that are maybe six months behind where I am and just keep, <laughs> keep pointing back. Like, don't forget Alex roadmap. Like it works, you know, I'm proof yeah. it, it definitely works. What are you most excited about for the next iteration or, or what's to come? Let's say not in the, in the far future, but in the near future. And let's say the next uh, six months to a year. You know, we're at a turning point right now where we did just get our kids debit cards. And it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be an interesting transition because we still are going to keep all of the, the core day learning opportunities going that we've, you know, already started. So we're still going to use some cash We're you know, some things maybe won't be in cash and some things will be in cash. And we still want our kids to use cash for spending and we'll still track, you know, everything on the, on the journals. But I think it'll be a nice like next step for the kids where they kind of feel even more sense of independence and responsibility. I think it'll be nice for the summer also going into this kind of next step because they will be traveling a little bit without me. And I'm excited to kind of continue this process as they get older, encouraging them to also learn new new skills and new tools. I'd like to see that. It is fascinating. I mean, you know, I'm continually fascinated by my kids through the, through the whole process. Actually, maybe you can tell the story. I know you put up a recent blog post about John and his experience with the RC plane. So maybe you can tell that story. 
Sure. John is an avid biker, which as you know, and most of his money- Experts avid. <laughs> yes, expert avid biker. <laughs> most of his time and money goes to biking and biking gear and biking tune-ups. But he was in a very big accident in March and he could not bike for about three months, uh, which was the hardest thing ever for him, but he had to, he had to take a break. For a while, he couldn't even do any any sports outside, any wheeled sports, any, you know, anything. So he took up RC planes, and that was a good way for him to spend his time. So he got a couple Amazon gift cards after his accident. So he had bought a few, like, small RC planes. But then he wanted the next level. So we went to the hobby shop, and he, you know, studied every plane and looked at his savings, what he'd been able to save up, and weighed it against the different RC planes. He didn't want to waste a lot of money on a plane that he was only going to use for a month. So he really like, it was, it was really cool to like, see him analyze the whole, the whole purchasing process before, you know, before sense of responsibility, he would have just been like, I don't care. I want that one, you know, but we left yeah. the store. He thought a lot about it, counted the money again. And, and so he was like, you know what, I'm going to be biking in a couple months. Let's just get the $70 plane. I have enough money for it. I've saved up, but you know, this is the right decision. So we go back to the store. We buy amazing, the right? Just, just even that part. I mean, yeah. just the deliberation over, you know, you're trying to raise an educated consumer. You want to make sure they're making good decisions with their money. I mean, yes, mm -hmm. so same experience with you. My kids would be like, I want that one. And mom's money, dad's money didn't matter. It's like yeah. oh, out the door. Yeah. Whole different ballgame when, they, when they're considering the purchase. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even just like taking that next day, you know, I didn't want to drive all the way back to the hobby store the next day, but I also like really appreciated and wanted to encourage that thought process. So we did. We drove back. Yep. Got the plane, the town over where I grew up to a friend's house and they have some smaller kids and they have a big lot next to them. So John, you know, he just knew we're going to this house. There's a big lot. I'm not going to want to like hang out you know, so much with the little kids. So I'm going to have my plane. I'm going to fly it. This is going to be perfect. He held it the whole way. He looked at it. He studied it. He bought it. You know, it was so special right. to him. He loved it. He, he loved, loved that it. plane. <laughs> and so we get there. He takes it out of the box. He gets it all set up. We charge the battery the whole way there. And so I just get into the first conversation with my old friend, you know, we're just barely into the second sentence or the second topic or whatever. And he comes like running up the, up the driveway. It's already broken. I guess, I don't know. Is it a little too breezy that day? Was, the, you know, maybe the RC, the remote control piece was different than he had expected. But anyway, it, it nosedived. It it crashed. It broke. I mean, the wings broke. He was like asking for tape. He was taping it back together, took it out, crashed again. So in the blog, there's a picture of the broken plane. I mean, destroyed, like absolutely <laughs> destroyed. I called the shop. As a plane crash should be, right? Yeah. <laughs> It was a bad, <laughs> um, but he kept trying. It was like, he just thought, okay, I can fix it with tape. You know, it was really sweet, but you know, he had bought that with his money and it was very special. And so we called the shop. They're like, we can't really return it. You can bring it in. We can try to fix it for you, which we did. And they did. And it still broke. I felt really bad for him. He, you know, he, he'd worked for that savings and been saving for a couple of months. He'd worked for that plane and used all of his saving money in his bucket. I wanted so to like pay back. I wanted to like buy, buy a new plane for him, you know? 
I just kind of like, I went back to the why of the sense of responsibility. In the end, I'm not just handing my kids money to hand them money, right? There's a why. They need to learn the lessons of spending money. And maybe sometimes they make mistakes and maybe sometimes things break or get lost or whatever, but like, that's life. So when I have something and it breaks, nobody comes and gives me the money for it or buys me that thing new. Like I either have to resave and repurchase it or just let it go and learn, you know, learn from my mistake um, of that purchase. So anyway, he, you know, he didn't really ask. I mean, he, he didn't expect me to buy it for him again. He didn't expect me to give me him the money. And maybe that also was part of the sense of responsibility working, right? Cause this was like a few yeah. months after we'd started. So for sure. He didn't, he didn't ask for it to be repaid, but I think just as parents, you know, it's just hard to see your kid go through that. What were some of the follow-up conversations that you had with him about it? We were getting closer and closer to when he could do other sports again. So he didn't want to spend a lot of money on a new plane. He had had one plane that got lost in the, in the sky somewhere. So, and that one had worked really well. So I said, you know, that one was only $50. You still have, you know, some Amazon cards from your accident. Why don't you just get the the plane that, you know, worked? It wasn't, you know, as fancy. It wasn't quite as expensive. It's maybe $40. So he was able to, to buy, you know, the plane that he had already had and he knew worked. And, you know, two weeks later, he was, uh, he was done with RC cars or RC planes anyways. So I think the learning lesson in that and the conversations were more about just knowing that sometimes, sometimes purchases are great. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you can read in the world and they're still not great. Like it's just kind of the the risk that we take. And we just want to make sure that when we're buying something that we, you know, we really understand where our money's going and that there's no like magic you know, Easter bunny or tooth fairy to come and like drop money from the sky to, to repay for that thing. It was the life. So what is he saving for now? Don't know. He just spent some of his savings because he was cleared for biking. Yesterday was really the first day he was out back on his bike doing jumps, which is terrifying, but he needed to pay for his two bikes to be tuned up. We needed to buy a new copper chain for one of them. He needed a new helmet since his one that had been crashed yeah. couldn't be used again. Shattered, yeah. And I think, you know, with him, with his savings, I'm teaching him. With him, it's not just about, like, buying that next big thing. Savings, I think, for you and I also, you know, we've talked about this. You have to save for a rainy day or you have to save for maintenance projects on your house. You have to save for, you know, a new car, whatever comes up. And so for him, I'm I'm sharing that with him, like, if you're really into biking and you're not necessarily saving for like a thing, you have to use your savings towards those unexpected expenses that come up with your sport. I think he used about 250 on the tune-ups and the new helmet. Right now, I think since that was just the last purchase, I'm not sure he's like has something in mind, but we will. I have to imagine if you were not doing sense of responsibility, there would have been a struggle around that tune-up, you know, no, you don't need a tune-up. We just had a tune-up right? and, and you've really taken a lot of that argument out of the equation whatsoever. Or I would have just paid for the tune-up. I mean, I did pay for the tune-up because I've been giving him the money to save, but I would have just paid sure. for the tune-up. But now I've given him the money and then we've talked about how that savings needs to be used for the tune-up. So, yeah, he's not arguing it with me because he knows I I did give it to him and that this is about learning where money, 
has to go. And it just made it more of a conversation instead of us just going and me shelling out the money. I, I don't know why, but for some reason it reminded me of Eve when she was doing this. She was probably still only in about fourth grade or something like that. And she wanted a mermaid tail. And I was like, I'm not paying for that. That's crazy. Use your own money. And so she did. And she used it every day, every day until there were holes in it for, right. you know, for six months straight. So it's like some of those things that I would never have said yes and didn't say yes. I, they got to show that, Hey, no, I, I know myself. I, I will use this. This is something I will spend on. So mm -hmm. you just, uh, you learn so much from them through the process. Yeah. Yeah. This was just a cute story that happened last night. I, I see little shifts and changes almost every day with my kids. And, and now I'm like more in tune with them. We always have these conversations about wants and needs. And if Cassidy wants to go shopping and she has to use her own money because it's a want. And last night she was going with a friend to dinner and she was like, oh, there's going to be shopping there, but I, I don't really have enough to buy something. So before she walked out the door, I just handed her $25. And I said, I hope you have fun tonight. And she just like lit up and just gave me the biggest hug. And it's like, thank you, mom. You know, and before she would have either asked me for it or, you know, been annoyed if I didn't give her more or, you know, it would have been a struggle. And now she understands that her budget and her allowance and everything is kind of set what it, in this parameter. And so just that little gesture of $25 out of the blue, I just, I just like saw the gratitude that I, you know, I hadn't seen before when it came to money. So it goes back to your, you know, your scarcity conversation of just like, when you make it more scarce then every little bit means so much more. And dare I say, that is what so many people are trying to do. They're trying to teach the value of a dollar. So the value of the $25 has been increased so much by giving them the, the experience of being able to spend it on their own. We want to teach our kids gratitude too, right? I mean, every parent wishes their kids were more grateful. And so in that moment, I was like, I'm not only teaching my kids about scarcity and the value of a dollar, but like, I just saw a moment of true gratitude that I did not expect. It was really sweet. Yeah. So. Thanks. It made me think that we should, you know, talk about the course plan a little bit. Right now, of course, the the course that's available is getting your kids on the allowance path, and it's really for elementary age kids. And then, if that's one day a month, which is what we uh, we propose because it helps people be more consistent that first Sunday of the month, then what do you do the other twenty nine or thirty days of the month? That's the second chapter of that first course, which is spending income and credit. Right, taking that allowance as a platform, and then you know using it for the rest of the month. The part that's now in development is the next phase of that, which is running a mini business, in this case, a lemonade stand, because that's what I did with my kids, and then using that as a foundation for understanding investing. That part in particular, I have to say, I'm very excited for you in particular, Julie, because I, I know that John, as he's now you know firmly into middle school and, and he has that sort of interest in, you know, ooh, what might I do with that? And he, he hears about companies. And so I'm very interested in having that conversation with him and, and with you when that comes. The next after that will be, and this is sometime next year, is the middle school component. And the middle school component continuing on that money savvy journey goes to what you were saying, which is where that emergency reserve, the development of that emergency reserve is a very big step. So with my kids, in particular with my older, with Grace, we started with when some calamity happened. I forget what it was right now, but there was some unexpected thing that broke and she needed to pay for or she did in, in, in the house. And it was, well, 
you know, what you really need to do is build up that emergency reserve. And so we talked about how I do that with clients as a financial advisor. It's okay. Six to nine months of living expenses is a typical reserve. So now here for kids, for, for my kids, you know, same thing. Okay. So we talked about that. And so she felt like it would take her a little while to get up $50, but that was the goal. The goal was for her to build her emergency reserve to $50. So whenever those unexpected things happen, she would be prepared. And she got to about $30, $40 when her bat mitzvah hit, which was a big coming of age ritual. And so she was fortunate enough to come into some money. And now her emergency reserve is actually at $100. So she has, you know, the debit card, which we just introduced. I know we'll be talking about a lot about that in, in a, maybe even in our next podcast. So now she's at $100 in that uh, cash reserve and she has $200 in that debit card. And it's really because she had this big influx of cash. And I trust her because she's been doing this for now since third grade and she's now going into high school. So it's a long ramp up to that, but she can handle that much cash and that much cash management. And you're already on that path. So it's, it's amazing to see that they, they understand that cash reserve already. John does. <laughs> John does. I wouldn't Which say Cassidy's quite there. Yeah. Cassidy's a spender. She's learning, you know, better habits of how to spend what is valuable and what is not and things like that. But we have some, some, uh, I don't know, some room for improvement there <laughs> with the cash reserves and the savings, but I think we're, we're on the right track. There's always room for improvement. That's yes. for sure. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, thanks everybody for, for watching or listening or paying attention. Uh, however you're doing it again, welcome to sense of responsibility. Welcome. We'll see you next time.